My name is Neil Diamond Cutter. I am a professional deathmatch wrestler. And welcome. You've stumbled across track by track album recommendations. So good for you. This is my first episode, so let's get into this bullshit, alright? We're going to go over albums track by track that are recommended to me by a variety of people. People from Weapon Master Ryan to Struggles to Danny DeMonto, maybe even Alex Cologne. You know, different kinds of guys that have very different musical tastes from me. Now, my understanding of music is very beginner level. Uh, I know very little about music theory, but I can grasp music pretty well and understand how it's structured and put together. I've listened to a wide variety of music throughout my entire life. I grew up in the 90s, so gangster rap was real big back then. The bit, The boy bands came in the late 90s, you know, grunge came in and punched music in the face. And Garth Brooks was a huge deal at the time, you know, in the mid-90s. So I have a very wide variety of music tastes that I like. Primarily, I listen to thrash metal. So Metallica, Megadeth, Testament, Slayer, Pantera. Like, I'm more into the heavy, groovy, kind of thrashy stuff more than anything. But I also have an Adele album. I have a Weird Al Yankovic album. Uh, loved him back when I was a kid. Uh, still love him to this day. Great, great musician. You know, I've listened to Joe Sacriani. I've listened to Michelangelo Badio. Uh, I've heard some of the best players in the world and really studied these guys for a little bit just to see what they're like. So yet again, I'm at a beginner kind of stage of my own music uh, learning, but I have really dived deep into albums before and really enjoyed every little bit that I can find, and I really grasp onto it. You know, I'm a big uh, Bill Withers fan. You know, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone, uh, Good Time Rock and Roll, like, really big on, on some oldie stuff, so hopefully we'll cross that eventually. But let's jump into this. This is the first episode, so we're going to do a recommendation that I'm going to give to everybody, and of course, it's going to be Master of Puppets by Metallica. <laughs> Eight-Track Behemoth is the third studio album by the band. It took them four months to record. Uh, released March 3rd, 1986, so it was released about uh, six months after I was born. <laughs> so that just dates me a bit. Uh, peaked 29 on the Billboard 200 charts here in the States. Or I believe that's across the world. I'm not real sure what the Billboard 200 exactly was. <laughs> I just know Casey Kasem did the thing for it, and he had a badass voice. I could just listen to him, and he'd put me to sleep. Uh, this is the last album to feature Cliff Burton, their bassist, who died tragically in a bus accident in Sweden. Uh, the band thinks that the driver was either drunk or fell asleep at the wheel. Uh, the bus driver claims that it was black ice, and uh, when the accident occurred, the bus rolled over, Cliff got through, thrown from the vehicle, and the bus came right on top of him and killed him instantly. R.I.P. Cliff Burton. Wish you were here, man. You are a badass fucking basis. Uh, the album has been certified six times platinum in 2003. Just to put that in uh, clarification, because you don't really hear about things going platinum anymore. Uh, back in the day, uh, I'm assuming before uh, streaming was real big, that means... Uh, to go platinum, you had to get a million sales, like hard copy sales. And these guys were able to sell 6 million CDs by 2003. 
So that just goes how influential this album really has become over the years. Like, you ask anyone, this is the one of the quintessential thrash metal albums you'll ever hear. Because it is just that fucking good. It really will blow your mind if you sit down and really give it a chance and soak it in. The lyrics are great. Uh, all the musicianship is top notch. Like these guys are starting to get to the pinnacle of their playing ability and songwriting. Like it really, really will get you if you really pay attention to how they put all this stuff together. Uh, in 2015, the album became the first metal album to be selected uh, into the Library of Congress for preservation. This means it had such an impact on our culture. Uh, when it was released, that they have to basically preserve it because it's something important. So that was that's probably the coolest fact I found out of all of this. Now let's dive into it. Track one, Battery. The band named the song after Battery Street, uh, where they lived at home. It's where they claimed they got their energy to go back on the road and to write songs and to really get their juices flowing uh, with creativity. For a lot of fans, uh, the song's about moshing. You know, like they reference uh, beating down the weak and just going around in circles. Like uh, this little snippet. That right there just tells me tells me that it's about the crowd giving all the all their energy to the band and the band giving all their energy back it's it's like a um an alternator and a battery once you get it going they charge themselves and they keep themselves going and that like once the start once the song starts it just goes it's got a really nice acoustic piece at the beginning of it it climbs very nicely until you get into the distortion, gets a little heavier, but doesn't speed up quite yet. And then a mo- once the moment hits, all hell breaks loose, and it's nonstop going. The solos are wild. Uh, the the music just the chorus itself makes you want to sing with it, just because of the way that it is. You know, like most people can't keep up with the lyrics, but they can get to the battery. You know, and um, just their use of power chords and the speed of it, it just, mm, like, I can't, like, once you get to the end, it's just, back to the Like, yeah, <laughs> it makes me want to punch someone in the head. It, it's so fantastic. It gets your energy going so fast that you just want to destroy everything around you. It's such a great song. On to track two, we got Master of Puppets. Man says it's after manipulation and pulling the strings of others. For me and a lot of fans, we think it's about coke use because it says cut your breakfast on the mirror. And um, there's other uh, lyrics to it that really uh, makes you think it's about any kind of addiction that you have. Like, it just takes hold of you, and you can't can't really let go. This song's super fast. Uh, from what I've learned about the, the uh, verse riff, I found out that if you write that down on 
uh, like sheet paper, like actual write it out in notes, it's really hard to read or get it down right. You really gotta sit there and be like, no, it's da 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 da. Like you gotta say it a certain way for people to really understand like how it's actually supposed to be played, because it's really hard time signature apparently. I thought that was really interesting and like really goes to show that these guys are really peaking at their at their abilities. Because they didn't even, they just wrote a song. They didn't know the time signature would be odd like that or or that it would be revered as, you know, one of the most strange riffs you could write in metal. But it, this song is just so powerful. It has a nice bridge to it that slows it down a little bit. kind of gets you to relax a little bit then they go into master master and just it it's something everyone can kind of go along with i really think the bridge encapsulates the true nature of the song master You know, that that kind of thing really <clears throat> really can grab you in the moment because most people can relate to, you know, either being laughed at or kind of pushed down to a degree. Drugs are, are very similar in that sense of people that, like, once they, they find a way to get at you, they will keep at you. And, like, I, I just think that that bridge really encapsulates what the song is about, you know, and it goes back to the band saying that it's about manipulation and pulling the strings of others. You know, sometimes unintentionally people will laugh at others and not realize that they're, you know, indirectly causing them to, to take their life in a different way because they're being laughed at and whatnot. You know, that, that's one of the reasons I really like this album is that it really makes you think deeper about the lyrics and possibly I hope people think and apply that to their own lives and try to think how this could really affect them and cause them to to go down either a better path hopefully a better path than uh, they originally were (laughs) on to track three the thing that should not be Apparently, Cliff Burton really loved uh, H.R. Lovecraft, and uh, you can definitely tell by the tone in this song uh, that it's very Lovecraft-inspired. You get a very deep sense of dread, just the the heavy notes they use, um, and the way they started off. Like You get kind of an uncomfortable feel at the beginning of it, and as it trudges along, and really just... uh, And just unnervingness of the whole thing with the lyrics and whatnot like really can make your your imagination go wild if you really just kind of think about it you know you can kind of apply this to any kind of monster movie or uh exploration or adventure kind of movie if you go towards the like monster end of it 
You know, I get a lot of Beowulf kind of North mythology kind of uh, vibes when I hear this song, only because, like, I think of, you know, a Cyclops or uh, Medusa or even uh, the Kraken, you know, something that just should not be in nature. And that that really intrigues me. I, I definitely like this song. I don't listen to it too often because it's a little slow for me. But, like, I really like hearing it when I when I do like listening to it. It's a lot of fun, and I really like getting lost in the song. Track four, Welcome Home, Sanitarium. Band says it's someone in a mental institution that feels they're sane and they shouldn't be there, obviously. Uh, I've heard stories that this is about uh, Kurt Hammett being admitted to a sanitarium and, like, kind of going through the process of being the only sane one there. Uh, and I'm not 100 on the Kurt Hammett thing. I've only heard that through friends and stuff. But, like, they got some great lead uh, solo licks in here. Uh, just... The, the the chorus for me gave me a lot of troubles because I'm not very good at uh, doing the hit an open note and then hammering on and you know doing pull-offs and stuff like that on the guitar. So like the chorus always bothered me because it I could always do the dun 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 and once you get the da 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 da. Like, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out why, like, just had so much trouble with that one little lick. But, like, it's such a sweet-sounding riff. Like, you just can't help but kind of nod your head to it. Kind of got a little bounce to it. It's just real fun overall. Uh, the solo, sweet as fuck. One of my favorite solos that I've ever heard. And, like... All around lyrics are just fantastic. Uh, you know, you know, just that idea of like, no, just leave me the fuck alone. I'm fine. It's all right. I'm not like these nutbags. You know, I'm not mentally uh, fucked in the head or anything like that. Like I'm fine. You know, and at the end of the story, it just it you're still in. The original place you started at, it just kind of sucks. <laughs> but the overall, just it jams all the way through. To track five, we got Disposable Heroes. James Hetfield heard a uh, broadcaster call uh, football players Disposable Heroes. The whole idea behind, uh, you know, football players come in... They get beat up, and then they leave, and they get replaced. You know, so it, the whole idea of uh, Disposable Heroes came from, from that broadcaster saying it. And also a poster his brother had up uh, as he grew up of a uh, child soldier with a rifle dressed up completely in military garb, you know, kind of ready to go to war. Through the lyrics, you can just get that vibe of desperation and just not knowing what's going to happen to you once you go to war. And uh, I don't know, it just gives me a weird, like, desperation kind of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, you know you're out here, your life probably doesn't mean much to the higher up as long as you get the gold done. You know, and uh, definitely a, a different way of looking at football players because I never knew the the football thing James saw. So that opens up a whole new light for me because I played football for 11 years, you know, from the age of uh, six to the, my junior year of high school. You know, I played football for a long time, and once once I heard that, it completely clicked for me, and I was like, oh, I totally get the song. And then I applied that to wrestling, and we're kind of the same way. You know, we get beat up over time, and eventually we have to go away. But, like, we never really leave the zeitgeist to a degree, you know. I can only hope I'm talking about decades after I'm gone. can only hope. <laughs> but we are de- wrestlers are definitely a, a disposable hero to a degree. Track 6, Leper Messiah. James, watched, uh, James and Lars actually watched a lot of late-night TV shows uh, trying to sleep and whatnot, and they obviously came across uh, some uh, religious uh, info commercials where, you know, the pastor's pointing at you and saying, the Lord wants you to repent, you know, that kind of shit. His and uh, it, it just cracked me up because I remember growing up in the 90s and like they'd still be playing those kind of things and it like i remember infomercials really good so like i remember watching um uh when they were advertising the first hell in a cell match at bad blood in 1997 i believe yeah 1997 it was actually here in st louis and uh, a friend of mine got to go and be front row for that for that cell but i remember watching uh the infomercial for it real late at like 4 a.m. in the morning, you know, as a kid, and be like, oh, this is going to be badass. Never got to go, but uh, got to see the match at least, so that was that was awesome. But infomercials always cracked me up. Uh, now I just take random pictures if uh, someone has it on and I come in real, real early into the hotel, I'll take a picture of the TV because, you know, who knows what the fuck's going to be on there, you know. I usually see, like, Adam and Eve commercials or, um, like, this stuff will always seal your leak. Or, you know, these pans won't ever stain. You know, that kind of bullshit. So it it just cracks me up that they were able to write an entire badass song. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. They were able to write Leper Messiah just based on uh, info commercials. And also the name Leper Messiah is actually, I believe, I don't remember if uh, I wrote these down in my notes. But uh, apparently the name of the song Leper Messiah is named after uh, David Bowie's song, I believe. Um, I want to say that. I'd have to double check and get back to you, but... Uh, yeah, that, that cracks me up. They got Leopard Messiah, the name, from a David Bowie song. Track 7, Orion. Uh, apparently Cliff Burton wrote most of the song. That's why it takes a, a lot of bass lead in it. 
And uh, obviously, as you can hear throughout the song, because it's an instrumental, you can hear the bass really, really well. And, like, you can hear where his, uh, like, classical training came in. Because Cliff was the only one who was trained, like, classically, to a degree. Like, he, he knew music theory. He knew, you know, Circle Fist. I'm sure all these guys knew the Circle Fist. But, you know, like, Cliff really dove into it. And this was uh, kind of the pinnacle of his uh, learning. And it, basically Orion's just an ode to, uh, to Cliff. And it's, yet again, one of my favorite songs on the album. And that this is a hard album to like become my favorites on. Because every song is a fucking banger. And every single one of them will grab your attention and hold it for a while. Orion, uh, some people don't like it because it's instrumental. Not a big fan of that kind of stuff, but me personally, I love instrumental songs. It, it it can grab your attention in a very different way, and just it's not about the lyrics or what they're trying to get you to think it's about. It's whatever you want it to be about. And uh, for me, if I listen to Orion or listen to any of the instrumental tracks that Metallica has done, it always grabs me in a pretty unique and distinct way. In in this one. I can probably fall asleep to. I usually play this when I'm uh, putting models together or putting a puzzle together because it, for me it, it calms me down. The bass riffs are real pretty and melodic and just it just slows me down for some reason I, I can't really explain it it just draws an emotion that makes me not want to be so fast or go crazy or be nuts you know it just makes me want to sit down and do something and really put time into something Last but not least, we got Track 8, Damage Incorporated. Sam basically wrote their song as a way to translate their uh, lifestyle at the time, being on the road constantly. They basically show up, cause a bunch of anarchy. Leave. That's basically the entire idea of the song. It's such a good way to describe how your life is, especially when you're traveling all the time. Uh, you know, in wrestling, we're gone every weekend, and I'm usually gone two, three days out of the weekend, so I'm always traveling most of the time. It just goes to show that... Uh, you can go somewhere, cause a lot of, you know, like like they said with the lyrics, like, I can go into a town, completely fuck the building up, walk out, leave, go to the next town, completely fuck the building up, get up, leave, do it again. You know, it's just a constant cycle, and when you're doing it 
uh, how many days, like three, two day, two or three days over a weekend, over 53 or 52 weekends a year, you know, that compiles really fucking quick. You know, we'll, we'll never have the same schedule as Metallica did at this time because they were just go, 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 go. They, they didn't relent. Like, they are the true definition of, like, road warriors. They were just touring constantly. And it, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, man, where, like, I, I totally get it. <laughs> just go into a building, fuck it up. Completely leave. Not your problem. Not your monkey, not your circus. Just leave. Well, I hope you enjoyed this first uh, go-around for Track by Track. I highly recommend that you give Master of Puppets by Metallica a shot. Highly recommend it. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at NDCPOD and on Twitter at FearlessNeil. If you're looking for any merch, head over to www.deathmatchworldwide.com. You can get all four of my designs and become part of the pack. We will catch you motherfuckers later.